Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Now, I have a free will as a little kid, and I don't want my parents to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want, right? No, my parents are like, we're going to whoop your little butt and spin your little head and lock you in your bedroom and grab that little toy and pry it from your little fingers, even though you throw yourself on the ground and you say, buy it for me. How dare you override my will, mom and dad? Hey, welcome to life. Get over it. Have your tantrum in the toy store, right? They still ain't going to buy it for you. <laughs> welcome to your heavenly father. But I'll demand and I'll command and I'll have a fit and God has to do what I say. What? <laughs> not in my Bible. He does what he pleases. You do not control him. He controls you. And who are you to talk back to God? Do you ever say to your parents, but why do I have to do that? And they say, because I say so. Because I'm your parent. I'm over you. I'm the authority, right? The boss. Well, I'm going to do what my boss says. Who does he think he is to violate my free will? I want to take a one-hour break and come in late and only do half a job. And he says, I'm sorry, we're writing you up and we're letting you go. How dare you violate my will? <laughs> Welcome to the planet Earth. The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Now there's an analogy, a picture. It's the potter and the clay. You ever create something, fashion something? You ever see the spinning wheel of the potter and he squeezes and crushes and he cuts and he molds the clay? Imagine the clay talking back and say, no, I don't want it, don't squeeze me. I don't want to be a stupid vase. Don't make me into that. Some people are fighting God. God, I don't like the way you made me. I'm going to try to change it. God, no, I won't follow your plan. I will resist your will. It's hopeless. The clay is fighting the potter's hands. The potter is sovereign and powerful. He is the maker and the creator of the clay into a beautiful vessel. And it's Absurd, and it's crazy that the clay would talk back to the potter like you, creation, trying to talk back to your creator. It will not work. Don't talk back to God. Stop defaming him. You're only embarrassing yourself. 21. Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? The potter can have a huge, gigantic box of clay and he could cut it in half and he could say, now from this lump, I'm going to make an exquisite vase worth thousands of dollars. And from the other piece, I'm going to make a little ashtray that people put their buds in and spit seeds in. <laughs> so one vessel is beautiful and it's got honor and glory. And one is like a spittoon and people's putting ashes in it. And you're like so mad. Why did you make me an ashtray? 
I wanted to be an expensive vase. I'm sorry the potter makes you into whatever he chooses. And you have no choice in the matter. I'm sorry, he overrides you. Why fight him? What's the use? Well, they say, if you can't beat him, join him. You've been fighting God your whole life. Why don't you make peace with him through his son? and find out his beautiful purpose and plan and how he's going to make you into something so much better than what you wanted to be. Something of honor and glory instead of something that was sinful and shameless and useless put on the shelf. God has a better plan than yours. 22. What if God... Although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. God makes enemies. God makes villains. God makes the lost. God makes vessels that will come under his wrath and his destruction and he puts up with them, and he reaches out to them, and he sends his son to die on the cross for them, and they hate his son. He puts up with them. It's kind of like maybe you went on some bad dates and some, you know, uh, you had to kiss a lot of frogs before you got the prince, right? And you put up with it because you know you're going to find the prince. You're going to find the one that loves you. You put up with the crud and the junk. You know, I think of the miners. They come to Nevada and they dig through the rock and the mud and the mire and the rubble because they're going to find the gold. And when you become a Christian, it's because God shows you and you are the gold. You're the golden child. You are the true love. The parable, he buys the whole field of dirt so that he can find the treasure. You are Jesus' treasure. He dies on the cross for the whole world so that he can gain you. 23. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. God had to put up with the riffraff and the troublemakers and the villains and the sinful, nasty people so that he could get his bride, his friends, his true love, his treasure. I'm sorry there's two sides. There's good and evil, right? When you're chosen, that means someone got rejected. When someone is loved, that means someone has been hated. This is the real world. And God gets to choose. And God always makes the perfect choice. Even when I don't understand, and sometimes I'm like, God, you made a bad choice. I'm not that good. You know, I really mess up. Why would you choose me? You could have chose like the incredible people, the beautiful people, the rich, the famous, and instead you chose a broken down, beat up person like me. God's choice is perfect. 
and he chooses whom he chooses. And you may ask, well, why? Well, why did God choose me? He chose me and not my sibling. Why did he choose me and reject this other person? I don't know. Ask him. <laughs> I can't figure out his brain and his mind. He's the infinite, omniscient. I got a little peanut brain. I can't figure out God's mind and choices. Can you understand love? Why did this person choose to love this person? I don't know. Sometimes couples, I'm like, wow, and that's the one you chose. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why you chose that. You, maybe you know. Maybe God knows. You know your heart. Verse 25. As he says also in Hosea. Man, he's all over the Bible, all over the Old Testament. I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. 26, again, Hosea. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they shall be called sons of the living God. Do you know the story of Hosea? God's holy prophet, single, and God commands him, Hosea, you're going to marry who I choose. And I choose for you that nasty, wicked prostitute, Gomer. And I command you, you marry her. And he obeyed. It didn't go well. <laughs> She's a prostitute. She cheats on him. She runs from him. She's having babies from her lovers and her johns. They're not his babies. Like strangers, men paying her. And she breaks his heart and she crushes him. And she even says, all oh, the money and, and the gifts that you gave me, they really came from my lovers. And, and she even sells herself into slavery. And she's on the auction block. And God says, you see her, you love her, you take her back, you buy her. You bring her back home, you clean her up, and you love her as your wife. You're going to stay in this marriage. And he does. And to me, it's crazy. And, and God says, do you know why I put you through all this? So you can know how I feel. Because my people, I've loved them, these Christians, these Jews, I've chosen them, I've married them, and they cheat on me, and they're little prostitutes. And they break my heart. And I always forgive them, and I always take them back, and they've sold themselves into slavery of sin, and I always redeem them. This is the love of God. Hosea 1-2 says, Go, take for yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. That would be hard knowing my spouse had children with, through prostitution, through payment. But Jesus has chosen to marry you, despite your unfaithfulness, your illegitimate children, your many sins. Christ always takes us back. He has redeemed us. Stand on the rock of Christ, 27. 
Now we're in Isaiah, jumping around the Bible. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. Very few Jews come to Jesus. Millions and millions of Jews even today. Many, I think of Israel now, now New York, Jews covered the world. But many few Jews, I don't want to hear Jesus, no, I reject Christ, don't say that name. But there will be a remnant, and especially in the end times, the Jews will come by the masses. So many Jews have been rejected, and very few of God's chosen people will be saved. That's crazy. How can, how can I be rejected when I'm a Jew? God hasn't chosen you. But I'm religious and I grew up in the church. How could God reject me? I don't know. I don't know why you're not born again and you haven't trusted Christ. Could it be God doesn't want you and you don't want him? Verse 28, for the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. Verse 29, and just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. The Jews, the masses, why aren't they all believing in Jesus as the Messiah? And if it wasn't for God's grace, they would all be lost. Do you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Two wicked cities filled with people. And God only chooses and he saves four people. Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And he sends the angels, they grab them by hands and they rip them out of the city so God's wrath can come down and he can destroy all the masses of two cities. Four souls saved, a remnant. Just a small group are saved and the masses are destroyed. God chose, and God rejected, and God acted Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 30, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness obtained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith? I've not been such a holy Christian. <laughs> I've not been such a good person. I didn't obtain my own righteousness like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests. But I did obtain Jesus' righteousness through the cross. I did put my faith in his work. And the cross subtracted my sin, and it plussed and added to me the righteousness of Christ. And you know how I got that righteousness? I really didn't work for it. I'm not that good. I received it by faith. I asked for it. Do you see it? And I'm one of those dirty Gentiles. Some Jews call me a goyim dog, because <laughs> I'm not chosen. But I am chosen. Jesus has chosen me. 
verse 31, but Israel pursuing a law of righteousness, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, was it 613 Old Testament laws? did not arrive at that law. I'm sorry, no one can keep all those laws. No one can be perfect, the rich young ruler. I've kept all these laws. No, I don't think so. We're all sinners, even the Jews are sinners. My Jewish friends, I know they're really big sinners. Verse 32, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. This is the cults. This is the religions of the world. Many people are trying to pursue it through their works. I'm a good person. I'm working my way to heaven. I'm sorry, but you fall short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The only way you could get it is by faith. You get the righteousness of Christ. He did the work for us. This is what we call grace, mercy, a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You cannot earn it, but you can receive it by faith. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Do you know who the stumbling stone is? Jesus. Jesus is the rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And the Jews, they stumble over Jesus. When I witness to Jews and I say the name Jesus, I always step back because they flip. <laughs> they swing, they scream, don't say that name, Jesus. And I say it again, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> don't say that name, and they run away. They stumble over him. The world stumbles. You could say God. You could pray in God's name, but please, in this workplace, in this school, don't say the name Jesus. It stumbles me. It offends me. It's not politically correct. Please do not use that name in this workplace. The stumbling block. 33. Just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. Zion, the land of Israel, God sent his son to Jerusalem, and the Jews stumbled over him. They were offended at his name. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Jesus is a rock. If you climb on Christ, if your feet are set upon the rock, it lifts you up. But if you will not climb it, you will trip over it and it will bring you down. Another scripture says, if you don't fall on the rock, right? Repentance, mercy, prayer, Jesus, I need you, fall on the rock. If you don't, the rock will fall on you and crush you to dust. See, there's two ways. The rock is for you or the rock is against you. The rock saves you or the rock destroys you. I'm sorry, there's two sides to everything. I'm accepted or I'm rejected. I'm loved or I'm hated. I'm chosen or I've been pushed out. I'm sorry, but God gets to choose too. And his choice lasts 
and his choice is really what matters. Have you discovered? Have you found out if God has chosen you? Come to the cross. Ask his son, Jesus, do you love me? Have you chosen me? Did you die on the cross for me? Are you my savior? Are you my Lord? Are you my beloved? Find out, right? This is life. You have to take a risk, right? You ever come up to some, will you love me? Will you marry me? Will you be there for me? They may say yes, or they may say no. I had go back to an old stepfather, knock on his door. Will you take me in, or will you throw me out? Will you forgive me and hug me, or will you cuss at me and slam the door in my face? Hey, welcome to life. But you need to find out from God and from his only son, Jesus Christ. And you need to make him your Messiah. What is the point of all this? This very controversial chapter that gets people so angry and so upset. The ones that get the most upset are the ones that have been rejected. I'm sorry, you can't choose everybody. I wish we could all go to heaven. Sorry. But I'm so glad he chose me. The point of all this is you must surrender to God's will. It's the picture of the arm robbery. They stick the gun at you and they say, stick them up. And you lift your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air. I want to see those hands. Stick them up. Your money or your life. And you surrender to the robber. Don't shoot me. I'll give you my wallet. Right? But now you must surrender to God. God, I lift my hands in sweet surrender to your name. Holy Spirit, I lift my hands in worship to you. Have you ever done that? You know, I came from a Baptist church. You sit on your hands in the Baptist church. <laughs> you put your hands down. But the Calvary chapels, I'm like, they're all lifting their hands. I'm like, why are they doing that? And they're like, well, the Bible says, lift holy hands to the Lord. And I'm like, well, why? Well, they're like surrendering to the Holy Spirit. They're, they're like giving up to God. They're letting go. And they're letting God. They're acknowledging his power, his sovereignty, his glory. They're lifting hands to the Lord. You know, the world does this. They lift their hands to their superstars, their singers, their teams. They lift their yell and scream and stand on their head, you know. But they don't want to do it to Jesus. You need to lift your hands and surrender to his power. A sign of surrender. Lift up holy hands. Give up to the sovereign spirit. And be set free. You see, when you let go, it's very freeing. And I believe the cross is a statement from God. I believe the cross is speaking to you. And here's what it says in three words. Faith, not works. You see, when you realize the cross, it's all the work of Christ. He died, he shed, he suffered, his pain, he did all the work, and now you just have faith in it. You can't add to the cross, you can't outdo the cross, you cannot, your good works don't compare. So the cross says faith, faith in the cross, faith in Jesus, 
and abandon your good works. Christ did all the work for you. Receive his righteousness, his forgiveness, his love. Let go and let God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the cross and doing all the work for us. We need your mercy, your love, and your grace. Jesus, please choose us because we want you. Jesus, we come in faith. We confess. We declare you are our Savior and our Lord and our God. Father, we need you. Love us. Choose us. Do not reject us because of Christ. Reveal your will to us, your sovereign plan for us. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.